shaking? Everything and nothing, man. What's shaking with you? How's your Sunday? <laughs> Save here, dude. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. We, uh, I, we, we've ended at an event yesterday, which means I was up at like 4, 4.30 a.m. And uh, after the event was my friend Joe Letts, who he's, he plays in Combi Christ. He played in Combi Christ. He played with Wednesday for a hot minute. He's played in a bunch of bands, but it was his, uh, his birthday party last night. And so we went to that. And so I, I've, I've just been like, feel like I'm just like uh, existing in a sea of mucus today. Not like in my nose, like, like just trying to like maneuver through my day in slow motion. That maybe is a less disgusting way to say it. How's that? No, I hear you, man. Well, I really appreciate your time swimming through the sea of mucus to bullshit with me for a little bit. It means a lot. <laughs> of course, buddy. Of course. I love you. It's I love you. It's this is long overdue, man. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. I really appreciate you from the beginning, man. You've been a huge supporter of everything I've done and death comes lifting. I just, I can't thank you enough, man. It's an honor. That well, anything you need, don't, don't hesitate to ask. Just a, just a lifetime supply of catfight coffee would be wonderful. So. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, I just, I made a cup, had to brew a cup before this, that, that um, black pumpkin stuff Ooh. is awesome, bro. Thank you. And I don't know where you stand, but I'm personally not a fan of flavored coffee. Like I like it black and hot. Just like, don't fuck around. Just give me yeah. this good shit. But like that flavor is awesome because it's so subtle and it's just, it feels like a natural flavor. Is, it, is that the black walnut or the black pumpkin? The black pumpkin. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. That was, um, I drove myself crazy with that because I don't like flavored coffees okay. and, uh, Pumpkin spice, it's like, it's something that should be in people that are in our community. There's a lot of people who do like it. And it is, pumpkins are something that speak to me. I mean, I got them tattooed all over me. And so I love it in theory. Um, and I hated the idea of people in our community going to other companies because we didn't make it just because something, I don't know, it was just something we really wrestled with. And then someone uh, on the live stream was like, hey, I just mixed some, uh, black walnut with some pumpkin spice and it was really good and i'm like and we could call it black pumpkin i'm like that's it. <laughs> it no it's it tastes so good man for a cup for a coffee snob like me i don't just buy like spiced coffees or flavored coffee but that one that one's awesome man so awesome you did a great job thank you Dude, i don't even know where to start with you man your your career for is so crazy your mu music from coffee everything man and uh i was like looking into it trying to like take some notes make like i always try to prepare for this podcast but i was just like hey man i'm just gonna roll and just talk to ac and it'll be a natural thing man so awesome. if you if you wouldn't mind for some listeners that might not know who you are or what you're about just like a brief synopsis of where you came from and what you've done and where you okay. are now. uh so my name is ac slade and i have a coffee company called catfight coffee and my wife and I are the owners, and uh, it's a very important part of our lives. It's not something that we're doing just for fun. Uh, it's something that we're extremely passionate about. We've visited coffee plantations all over the world to source the coffees that we have. Uh, so there's that. And then I also play in a bunch of rock and roll bands. I, I, I play in a, a band called Dope, play in a band called The Murder Dolls. I used to play with, with Joan Jett, and I also... Uh, play rhythm guitar for the Misfits. So there's that. That's awesome. How, uh, how did you get started in the world of rock and roll? You're from Philadelphia, correct? 
outside of Philadelphia, like on the Amish side of Philly. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the, the real start was uh, probably the church choir as a kid. Uh, I feel very fortunate. Our church did what's called the passion play, which was uh, the, the whole, uh, I guess, uh, New Testament thing of, uh, you know, Jesus rising from the dead and then his crucifixion. And I loved it. It was extremely theatrical. I loved when they, when they crucified Jesus in, in this play. It was like a small town play, but they had like fake blood and shit. So Jesus <laughs> was covered in blood. And, I mean, it looked like a behemoth video. Um, and I was like, you know, a little kid. I'm like, that's awesome. And I think my little, you know, you know, eight or nine year old mind kind of misconstrued it. I was like, that's awesome. And then my mom be like, yeah, it's kind of not supposed to be too awesome. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's cool. And then, uh, and then I saw Alice Cooper and I connected the dots and, uh, and, and then, you know, I was an awkward, uh, teenager and it, obviously death comes lifting is a fitness thing. So I can, you know, kind of go, go down that road a little bit. Sure. I, I was an overweight kid. Uh, my nickname was Butterball and I was, one day in, 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 in our living room, my sister was with her friend and they were listening to Cheap Trick Stream Police and they opened up the, the gate cover because it had that double gate cover. And they're like, oh my God, they're so cute. And my mom goes, yeah, they're not really cute. You just like them because they have long hair and in a band. They're not actually handsome. And you know, th at that point, I'm probably like 13 or whatever. And I was like, so if I just grow my hair long and play rock and roll, I can meet girls. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was, that was a big part of it. Um, sure. and then, you know, get fast forwarding to high school. Uh, I didn't fit in with anybody in high school and, you know, I just liked hanging out with kids in art class and all the art class kids were, were goths, punks, couple hippies, but I tried to stay away from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, punks, goths, metalheads, and, those are the people that I gravitated towards and they were uh, forming bands as a way of like socially, you know, hanging out. So, you know, some people, they pick up an instrument because they feel this need to, uh, you know, express themselves through playing a guitar and write, writing a song. I do have that part of it, but a big part of it for me was the social component. Definitely. We're very similar, very similar background, man. Me and you, I uh, was an overweight kid as well. My introduction to I, everything was from, uh, I had to go to CCD, Catholic Church and stuff as a uh -huh, right. as did. And I, yeah, I always didn't fit in. And I was into the music just to hang out with people that were as weird as me. So yeah. I'm still trying to carry that torch and I feel like you're doing the same. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you very uh, much. Absolutely. So did you first start with guitar then? And then uh, started with with guitar um and you know again as soon as i fi figured out that if if i learned three chords uh i could write a song as soon as i figured out uh songwriting i didn't really go down the road of wanting to be steve Vai or uh joe satriani or ingve malmstein i wanted to write songs and uh so i was definitely more into someone like joe strummer uh than i was someone like Ingve Malmsteen, who that's amazing. Like now that I'm older, I, when I was younger, I was like, fuck those guys. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, man, that takes a lot of talent, a lot of skill to be able to do that, you know? For sure. So, yeah. So like Alice Cooper was kind of where you were, where your head was at? More like- Yeah, Alice Cooper, yeah. And like I said, um, 
grow, growing up in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, there wasn't like enough kids to really make one scene or another. Yeah. So it was more like if you had a weird haircut and dyed your hair black and uh, just weren't in any of the athletic programs and weren't in any of the academic programs, mm-hmm. it kind of fit in. So I didn't really see the big difference between, say, uh, Motley Crue. Now, keep in mind, this is like Shout at the Devil, Too Fast for Love era, Motley Crue. And uh, the Sex Pistols and Skinny Puppy and Nine Inch Nails. And um, neither did my friends. Like we all saw ourselves as outsiders and we looked at more at what we had in common than looked at what we had, you know, than our differences. So you've always been attracted to like the horror theatrical kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. Music things? Do you, yeah. What do you attribute that to? Just always have been that way? I think it's probably a little bit of a, uh, escapism yeah. that it provides, you know? Um, sure. It was really boring where I grew up. And, uh, you know, listening to music is, is a bit of an escape. But if you add a visual component to it, it becomes an even deeper escape. Definitely. I, uh, I found myself the same way. I've just been a, I was a horror movie fan first before I was into music. And then mm. I immediately gravitated towards Alice Cooper, Kiss, Rob Zombie for that reason, that kind of larger than life kind of, you can immerse yourself in the visuals and the experience yeah. and everything. Yeah. But what really did it for me, and this is a connection to you too, is um, honestly the murder dolls in Wednesday 13, because like, you know, growing up, Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie and Kiss, those guys seem like on another, in another realm, you know, but like Wednesday and the Murder Dolls was like punk rock enough, like, oh, I could do this shit. And like, I could talk to these people. And like, this, this is, these are my people. So I really was like huge into the Murder Dolls and Wednesday and still am. And uh, I really didn't even think I even knew that you even played with the Murder Dolls until a few years ago. So you've been just kind of lurking in my subconscious for, for a while and uh yep, there I we go. That, that's really cool yeah man so if uh you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about your involvement in the murder dolls and go down that route for a second that'd be yeah great. sure uh honestly out of out of all all the bands i've played in that's probably the one i'm proudest of uh for a lot of reasons um so going back a little bit yeah you know when i joined dope we were touring with a lot of really like that was when new metal was really blowing up and dope on that first record was more like ministry it was a bit more like uh industrial stuff which which i was really into i didn't like the bands that had djs i didn't like the bands that that uh you know had seven string guitars and stuff like that not that there's anything wrong with that but i'm trying to paint a picture of, of of certain bands like Limp Biscuit, I didn't like. I still don't like Limp Biscuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that type of stuff was really popular, and so was a lot of really, really, really uh, um, extreme metal was becoming popular at that time too. And so, Dope was touring with some of those bands, and I didn't like it. And so, as a way to kind of distance myself from those guys was I, I would wear like Hanoi Rocks t-shirts and New York Dolls t-shirts sure. and the Damned t-shirts as a bit of a way so that, I don't know, the, the DJ and the band maybe would come up and say hello to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one day we were on tour with Slipknot and, and Joey comes up and he says, dude, do you like the New York Dolls? Do you like Hanoi Rocks? And I was like, well, yeah, I do. 
And he's like, well, I got this band called The Rejects. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. And so him and I became really good friends at that, at that point. But I guess part of it too is it's like when you're doing something as a job, you kind of look for something else. Like, like so I would imagine for Joey, right? I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know if this was the case for him. But when Slipknot became his full-time job, it probably became it a little less fun. So he needed to do something for fun. So he had the rejects. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. At that time, fast forwarding a little bit, but uh, he asked me to be a part of it. Dope started recording our second record. I had a lot of songs on the record and it just didn't make any sense for me to leave Dope to play in a side project band. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And also knowing that Slipknot was one of the biggest bands in the world, it's like, well, he's not going to give up Slipknot to do this thing. Why would I abandon my main thing for a side thing? And so I said no. Um, and then uh, Wednesday ended up joining the Rejects. It became the Murder Dolls. Uh, Joey and Wednesday ended up recording the Murder Dolls record. And Dope, that second record that we did that I had songs on, we ended up getting dropped. And so now job security is off the table. The band was talking about moving to Chicago. I, I didn't know if I wanted to do that or not. My phone rings. AC, you want to do them? Now are you ready to do the Murder Dolls? I'm like, well, what's going on? It's like, well, we got, you know, two weeks in Europe, uh, two weeks in the States. Then we go to Japan to play with Guns N' Roses. And then we go to Europe for three weeks. And I was like, that's Perfect. it, man. Absolutely. And I didn't plan on, on quitting Dope um, because at that time, that was all Joey planned on doing. So that was all that was on the books. That's all that, 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 that was planned. And, uh, you know, uh, our U.S. label hated us. They did everything that they could to not make that record succeed. But our Japanese and European label saw the potential and they loved us and the kids loved us. And I loved the fact that musically, the guitars were tuned standard. We wore makeup. You got to remember this. This was before Avenged Sevenfold. Sure. Uh, this is before Black Veil Brides. And I'm not saying that those bands borrowed from uh, from the Murder Dolls, but I'm saying that before some of those bands came along, we we were doing it before they were. Of course. You know, and all all the bands we toured with hated us. I mean, the Deftones hated us all those new metal bands hated us and I loved it. I loved yeah. every fucking moment of that. And I guess that's why, uh, why I'm the proudest of that band because it was really, we were kind of like the people that were invited to the party that nobody wanted at the party. And yet there we were. So I like that. That's what makes it so cool. I mean, how many bands put out one record and what was it 2002 or three that that record came out that we're still talking about and listening to in 2020, like as yeah. loud as ever. I mean, it's huge impact. Yeah. Did you, um, so you didn't record on, you didn't play on the record. You just toured no. with the Murder Dolls. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long did that last for you? Uh, well, I mean, technically it, it depends on how you look at it, but yeah. um, we did um, 2002 to 2003 was our touring cycle. Uh, we were supposed to do a gig with Danzig after that. And then Joey and I did the uh, Roadrunner United record. So it was like 2005. So, I mean, the way that I look at it is that I was a part of the band up until about 2007. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, right about I the time I started play, playing with Joan. 
Right, right. And I know you and Wednesday are, are obviously still friends when you came through on that Static X tour. I know I was, uh, I always get the uh, Wednesday meet and greet and we were talking and stuff. Do you uh, ever talk about maybe doing something together again or even the possibility of a murder dolls thing? You know, I always feel weird saying yes, because then people turn that into they're talking about doing it. Sure. We are not talking about doing it, but uh, okay. it's, it's certainly something that we have talked about. You know what I mean? So uh, it's something that's been discussed, but there is no discussion, if that makes any sense. I got you. So your door's open. You're good. Yeah, you, you do it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So then I guess Joan Jett, right? That's pretty huge. I mean, yeah. <laughs> base for Joan Jett, that's a, that's a cool substitute for the Misfits. How did, uh, how did that happen for you? And was that... Um, was that like more of like a, a gig, like a job, or is that something you actively were like wanting to wanting to do? No, it, that was a weird thing. You know, I'm I'm a big believer that you create your 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 fortune, that you create your opportunities. You yep. know what I mean? Um, and I created, I I helped create my opportunity for the Misfits for sure. But I I can't lie, Joan fell out of the sky, and okay. I as much as I would like to think, and, and, I, and I think that in some ways, as far as my professionalism and as far as my experience and all that stuff, playing in dope and playing in the murder dolls uh, certainly helped me to get the gig And that once they met me and we hung out, they're like, okay, this guy's a pro, he's got it together. But honestly, when your name is Joan Jett, you don't know who the murder dolls are and you don't know who dope is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, well, I played for dope and the murder dolls. And like, we've never heard of either of those bands. What are you talking about? And it's like, Oh yeah, well you're Joan Jett, of course. Why would you? Why why would you? Right. You know, I can't I can't put those two bands on the same level as Joan. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I was I I played in Dope, played in the Murder Dolls. I started two of my own bands. I had a band called Trashlight Vision, but that didn't work out. I started my own band called AC Slate in the Dark Party. That wasn't really going anywhere, and I was like, well, you know, I've I've been in Japan playing with Guns N' Roses. I've gotten to tour Europe with Iron Maiden. I've gotten to tour the US opening in arenas for Kid Rock. I've gotten to do all these amazing things. And wow. maybe this is the universe telling me, you know what, dude, like, like you, you, you've, you've run your race. You know, you're, you're, you had a good run and now it's time. So I went to hair school to learn how to cut hair. And uh, I'd never had any education at that point. And I was like, I don't know what else to do with my life. Like I was really lost, okay. you know? And uh, through a series of events, uh, I was like, well, let me try some form of education. I don't want to go to be an accountant. I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to do anyone's taxes. I don't want to do data entry. Let me try this haircutting thing. I went to haircutting school and the day I got done, I started working in the hair salon, didn't hate it, uh, but I got done work one day. There's a phone call. AC, what are you doing? And just working, you know, nothing really. All right, go home, learn five Joan Jet songs, your auditions on Wednesday. If you get it on Wednesday, make sure your passport is clear because you're leaving for Australia in two weeks. Damn, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, that was one of those ones where I guess the universe or the higher power or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It was like, yeah, you're put the scissors down, pick up a base, you know? Oh yeah. Man. That's inspiring as hell, dude. I'm really into like, I like what you said about creating your own, 
destiny or, you know, manifesting your path, like you said, with the, the misfits or, or what, whatever. So I'm into that mindset portion. And I know um, you're a huge entrepreneur and uh, I really dig like that whole motivation mindset spirit. So what um, can you speak to that just a little, a little bit more? Do you have any practices that like you demeditate? Do you kind of, you know, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, um, I do meditate, um, but I don't meditate in a way of like, uh, I've never read the book, The Secret, so I may be speaking out of turn, but not in the way that like I envision it. I mean, I guess I, I, I not while I'm meditating. While I'm meditating, I'm just clearing my mind. Right. Uh, meditating is 10 minutes of silence to just sort of uh, clear that inner chatter. It's huge. Uh, yeah. So, so in that capacity, it helps. But as far as, I just never see failure as an option. Right. Um, I, I never see that as, I don't know. I just, I just go into things with like, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to run the ball down the field. I guess it's just determination. So, Definitely. um, that punk you know, rock work ethic, man. Yeah. You know, and I think that it also depends on your, your, your expectation levels. Uh, for me, all success, like, so with cat fight, right. Okay. I had the vision of the, of, of the company, right? My wife and I, we achieved the vision of the company. Now that doesn't mean we're selling millions of bags of coffee yet, right? Mm -hmm. But when I see that, that vision manifest itself, that's a success, mm -hmm. you know? And when I see that vision of something manifest itself and it's the way that you wanted it, it, it become, that's a success to me. Because so many people can just sit on their couch and talk about what they're going to do, right? Absolutely. Or maybe they don't do it the whole way. Maybe they only do it halfway. Like, well, I don't know. So they kind of pussyfoot around. Like, it's a dumb example, but our bags are fully digitally printed bags all the way around. We pay artists to do awesome artwork all the way around the whole thing, right? right. We're all in. Right. But some people might be like, well, I want to start a coffee company, but I don't really want to spend that much money on it. So I'm just going to buy a bag and... I'm going to stamp it or I'm going to put a sticker on it. Well, you're not all in, you know? Yeah. And I think that you only succeed when you're all in. I think you only succeed when you have everything to lose. Hey Amen. I feel the same way. I try to put every bit of that energy into what I do at Death Comes Lifting too. So that's great. That's sure. validating to hear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's obvious. Yeah. And uh, really what, it, what inspired me to do that was like um, my favorite record of all time is Ziggy Stardust and sure. uh, David Bowie. Um, watching an interview they like made him like a rock star before he actually was a rock star like the, he didn't have the ticket sales to back it up but they booked him in like the highest suites and like beefed up the show like he was yeah. like the big so I'm like you got to go in with that mindset in order to achieve that you have to have that in your head first or you'll never even get there if that's not even a thought you know? yeah absolutely you're, you're totally right like um, yeah you, you, you've got to appear to be what it is you want to be, right. you know? Um, it's interesting. I was just at dinner talking to, we were talking about, you know, you know, rarely do you hear people talk about the things that they've done that haven't worked, you know? Definitely. One of the things that I did that didn't work, and I guess in a way it sounds like I'm, I'm pinning it on the other person. I'm not, it didn't, because there, I certainly played a part in it, but you know, one artist that, that, I, that I produced, because I, I wanted to get into producing at one point. Um, I produced this artist 
And I told them all along, I'm like, your album has to sound like an, a major label quality album it, because that's what it's going to compete with. So that's the budget you have to have. That's the money you have to spend. And anytime people say, hey, what advice would you give to, to new bands? I would say, make yourself look like you're already signed. Make yourself already look like, because you know what, for the, for the money and for the technology that's out there, you can get pretty damn close, pretty cheap. And you know what, if you can't, don't worry about playing shows. Nobody cares if, if you're not playing at the pub down the street yet. Like th that pub down the street isn't saying, God, we wish your band would play here. Right. It, you know, they can wait. Everybody will wait. Make sure you have it done right. Come out right, you know. Come out swinging. Definitely. But then you got to have that determination and that work ethic to back that up or else that doesn't yeah, work. Exactly. So where did that come from for you? Did you always have that? Was that a learned thing? Or did you just kind of have the determination just to do what you wanted to do? That's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, tenacity. Um, one of my best friends, uh, one time he described me as one of the most tenacious people he's ever met. And that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten. See, um, you're always hustling, man. I respect it. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know where that comes from. I, I think that my mom and dad, they were entrepreneurs. Um, but also knowing that like, and I guess seeing the way that they hustled and the way that they worked was part of it. But, you know, I love what I do. So it never really feels like work. That's uh, isn't to say it's not exhausting or draining or whatever, you know, like yesterday, dude, getting up at four in the morning to start brewing coffee. And then the, 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 the thermoses of coffee that I got to carry, it's a five gallon. And I don't got to tell you, but you know, there's five gallon water. Kit. Oh yeah. You know, okay. you know how heavy they are. Okay. One of those, but now it's in a thermos, so it's even heavier, and I'm trying to lift it myself, so it hurt my back. And this is all before 5 a.m. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know the struggle. And, and, and then I'm going to, to, to vend at an event where I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to make money. Right. I don't know if anybody's going to buy our shit or not. Um, and I got to drive an hour and a half to get there and then put gas in the, in the hearse and uh, drive back and not get back till 8 in the morning. Like that's, yeah. I wouldn't call that fun, but I love what I do, man. I, lo I love when someone takes a sip of my coffee and goes, oh, that's fucking good. Or like they, they drink a, a cup of our coffee and they go, take a sip and they go, well, I usually drink my coffee with milk and sugar, but I don't need to do that with yours. I can drink this just black. I've never drank black coffee before. This is really weird. Right. That's that is fucking odd. That makes it worthwhile. That's yeah. about sales. That doesn't, that doesn't mean shit. No. Well, yeah, you got to have that attitude to be successful. Something, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a necessary evil, the money issue. I always look at, I always look at if I'm helping somebody, if somebody has, you know, found their place, likes what I put out, the art I put out or anything like that, that means so much more than a $25 sale, but you need yeah. it. How do you balance that in your mind between being like a creative artist individual, but also a smart businessman you know I, I i find myself struggling between those yeah. two things quite often well i partner up with people that are better business people than i am i might have to do that too yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good unfortunately for, me, for, fortunately for me it's my wife she's she she's better at, at that sort of stuff but i'm also very lucky too that she's as tenacious as i am too on the work and the creative end but uh cool. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you kind of know, and even if you're not looking at the numbers necessarily, you know if the concept's working. And I think that if the concept's working, you can always tweak the numbers as, you, as long as you don't do anything too, too uh, ambitious. Right. The, um, is the, uh, like the layout of the um, coffee bag and all that stuff, does that come from your idea or is that a collaborative effort? Um, I love how it's like that old like cereal box vibe, how there's like puzzles Thank on you. it. And, you know, you feel like you're, it's nostalgic. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm a kid like looking at the back of a cereal box and shit. That's oh, awesome. wonderful. Thank you. You know? Mm -hmm. is, that, uh, well, is that your idea is that a collaborative thing with artists and stuff that was actually um when we started the company i was uh i had the vision of doing that of having the different uh old school 70s and 80s style puzzles on the back of each different coffee bag sure. and fortunately the guy that designed the the uh the coffee bags for us i, I designed the logo but he he i was working hand in hand with a, a, a real graphic designer okay. and so we were designing the bags and we came up with two different things i'm like dude it's not doing it for me he's like he's like yeah well what is it and i'm like okay here's really what i want to do but i think it's going to be i think it's too ambitious and i don't think you want to do the work because i would need him to do this yeah i'm like i want to do a different cereal box 80s style puzzle on the back of every bag and he goes for your coffee company i said yeah <laughs> That's the coolest idea I've ever heard. Right. And I said, yeah, he goes, give me a day. Awesome, man. <laughs> so, you know, when you work with people that are like-minded and you work with people that have a similar vision, you know, and thank God for Dave, because otherwise that wouldn't have came to be. He believed in, in, my, in, in my idea and he believed in it enough to put his time into it. So he did, he did the puzzles, but cool. the puzzles were, my, were, were initially my idea. That's beautiful, man. I always feel bad like shortchanging somebody, but he because he did the work, you know. Yeah, well, we'll get shout out to Dave, man. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's an awesome part of that, man. That may, it makes it's cool that you feel like good when you when you see it. It's just one of those yeah. things that like you didn't have to do that, you know, like those little details are what makes things special. So I totally appreciate that from just a businessman and just as a fan. Like awesome. Well, my concept is that if if I don't put thought into the packaging, what's to make people think that I put thought into the product in the bag? Truth, truth. Well, so. I guess people could say like, you know, well, you have to have the product to back it up because that's like, you yeah. know, you can't put makeup on a record kind of thing. You got to have the music yeah. to back up the image. So same, can't same thing. On pig. Right on. We probably put makeup on a record actually, but. <laughs> <laughs> Might not sound the best, but we could, we'll give it a shot. We're not afraid. So, um, so to bring it back to the, you know, the death comes lifting, the fitness and stuff. I know you're into fitness. I know we've talked that um, you're sober, as am I. And uh, how did uh, how does that play into your success? And uh, can you talk about your routine a little bit and all that stuff? Yeah. So I got I got sober 22 years ago. Um, you know, and basically it I I was, you know, you would you might call it a bar star. Like, I mean, yeah, I was playing the local Philly bars and clubs and I was pretty ambitious, but yeah. my ambition was always uh, cut short by shooting myself in my foot with my drinking and partying. And uh, eventually it, it, it just ran its course. Eventually it was very clear that I was either going to die, go to jail or end up in some sort of treatment facility if I didn't get my shit together. 
And I sure as hell wasn't going to be a rock star. I definitely wasn't going to be a professional musician uh, continuing the way that I was. So I, uh, I started going to meetings. Um, you know, I admitted I was powerless over my drinking and drugs, and I still am. And uh, so I started going to meetings, and a year after I got sober, I got the gig playing in the band Dope, which I always thought was a, a funny little universe thing making a joke with me, like, oh, see, you thought you quit Dope, but now you're in Dope. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I've, you know, successfully stayed sober all along, and I think a big part of that is, you know, the successes that I saw the change that I saw in my life after I got sober, uh, you know, in, in a year, that's a pretty quick amount of time. And I got everything I ever wanted. Like right at the year, it was like, all right, move to New York, join a band with a record deal, go on tour at a major level on a major label. Right. There you go. I, were, I, I tried to do that for, for, you know, 25 years. Couldn't do it. I got sober and it happened in one year. It's just the universe showing you what's up. It's just like a, yeah. a stepping stone. You know, you can't, you can't ignore that. I feel like most people, they're too good. We're too good at taking inventory mentally when shit's going bad, but when shit's yeah. going good, you got to take a look around and see what you're doing. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. And how does, um, obviously coffee will help you stay sober too. When you get sober, you drink. <laughs> shit so that, that probably helps. What, um, how, what's your uh, fitness routine like? I know you uh, you're into yoga and you do hit the gym when you can and stuff to stay alive. So what what's your uh, just personally curious what your routine's like? Dude, right now my routine is so bad. Well, first, <laughs> submitting that, then we're good. Right now it's so bad. Um, but normally, what I do is, as far as my my workout routine is usually uh, three to five days a week doing yoga, um, yes. ten minutes of yoga, ten minutes of meditation. Uh, I usually do a gratitude lists. I write in journals. Um, yeah, th th those are, I don't do all that religiously. I don't do all that every day, but in a perfect world, I'll do that every day. And, um, so, you know, 10 minutes of yoga, I consider that just my stretching for my workout, you know, kind of my pre-workout. And then I usually do probably about 35 minutes of, uh, of, uh, cardio and then, like another half hour of weight or strength training. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, and that's like five days a week. Oh yeah, man. That's awesome. I love yoga. I always say if I could just, I know that's like the liftings and the strength trainings, like the whole image and stuff. But if I could do one thing I, as a, you know, fitness professional or anyone that has been into the game, so to speak, yoga, it just hits all those buttons for me. It's the meditate, it's mental and physical and, just feel great afterwards so it's always cool to hear the yeah. yoga in your routine ah man it's just I, I i got into yoga not so much for uh fitness reasons but when i when i was playing with joan jet we flew everywhere we we were in planes all the time and they were commercial flights right so every day i was in a in in, in an airplane seat which is not very comfortable and then we would get out of the airplane and we would be in a, a van to take us to the gig. And dude, just my back and hips okay. were just always like really tight and sore. And I, I was like, well, you know, let me start, uh, you know, stretching out a bit. So I would went on YouTube, found a 10 minute yoga workout and found that two things were really interesting. One, that I wasn't sore anymore 
from, yep. from, from the traveling because sitting can make you sore. But the other thing that was funny too, is I, I started to find that I was like, I don't know if it was my posture or elongating my spine. I was taller than I was. Definitely. Yeah. It's your posture, man. <laughs> After six months of doing it, people started oh, yeah. saying, did you just get taller? Are you wearing like different shoes? And I'm like, I'm wearing Chuck Taylor's, you know, right. you seem taller. And I'm like, yeah, I think you all got shorter. I don't know. Yeah. You compress your spine, man. You don't realize how uh, traveling beats the fuck out of you, man. Totally. I mean, yeah, musicians and touring artists, whatever, they don't definitely don't get enough credit for all you have to endure on the road. Because, like, yeah. you know, even me, I'm in on the one flight for like an hour. I'm like, oh, I got to do yoga like right now. Yeah. <laughs> so to make that your daily daily existence is pretty tough, man. So respect, respect. So I know I, I don't want to keep you here for too much longer, man. So um. I do want to uh, get to, this is our Halloween special. So, you know, it's come out on Halloween. So happy Halloween to you, everybody, and AC Slade. Thank you very much. And I just want to know what your Halloween traditions are and uh, what does Halloween mean to you in uh, movies, music, well, and that shit. Honestly, uh, Halloween to me is usually, uh, I'm usually more of an observer because okay. I feel like people stare at me all year long. And right. it's the one night of the year that nobody looks at me like I'm a weirdo. Uh, and I like seeing what other people, I mean, hey, I stand on stage in front of people and everyone's, I've got everybody's attention. Everybody's staring at me and I'm dressed up and I'm acting out and uh, I'm doing all that stuff. So if anything, Halloween for me is the one day of the year I get a break uh, and I can just sort of observe everybody else and, and be, be the observer. What I love about Halloween is everybody's participating. And I like the fact that it's the one day I can be the observer. Um, besides you know, what else? Dress up like a lawyer or anything like that. You know, something. Yeah, like right. <laughs> Maybe that's what I got to do. Maybe yeah. I got to dress up as, uh, what's his name from American Psych, Psycho Patrick Bateman. Right. Um, yeah, it, it means that. It just means that, that all the things that I normally love anyway are just a, a little bit more readily available. Uh, be it, uh, you know, home decor or you get, you know, your newsfeed is a little bit more filled with, you know, some of the horror movies maybe you missed the first time around or you haven't seen in a long time. But Definitely. I mean, you know, literally for me, it's Halloween year, year round. I mean, my car is a hearse. One of my cars is a hearse that I drive. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so cool. So that's, I don't know. To, to, to me, it's, yeah. it's Halloween year round anyway. So do you have any, uh, you know, movies you have to watch this time of year? Or is that just another thing you've watched? What you watch all those anyway? Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is always one. Um, yeah. That's always one. Cause I love how it segues us into Christmas time, which I love Christmas as well. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that's been great is uh, the, the shutter app, the shutter network. Love shutter. That's changed things a lot for me. For sure. You know, I, I like the last drive-in. Yeah, it's so good. They do yeah. such a good job. You can tell that whoever runs that is just like legit super, super yeah. fans and nerds of the genre. Yeah, it's so good. Did you see the Creep Show that was on there, the new Creep Show series? Oh, no, no. How was yeah, that? It's awesome, man. Uh, Greg Nicotero did it. You know, he does all the effects for KMB effects and like The Walking Dead and all that stuff, but it's totally like all practical effects and it's all like looks like uh, totally 80s. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you should check that out. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm stuck in the Mandalorian right now. Oh, well, that's that's awesome, too. So, yeah, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, you're good. I, 
uh, it, it's not quite exactly what I hoped, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's better than like the corny movies they put out. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't. I had hoped that you know that Boba Fett was always the the, the just a total badass. Oh, dude, yeah. And, and they're not making Mando quite as badass as like I was hoping it was going to be a bit more like Dark Knight for sure. And it's not quite there, but it's still cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, they got to please the masses, man. You know how that is. Not us weirdos. But hey, man, I really appreciate your time, brother. Absolutely, Zach. Thank you for doing this, man. It means a lot. And uh, thanks for all your support. And I'm stoked stoked to know you, man. Thank you. You as well, man. So let let me know uh, when this posts so that I can repost it and we can spread it out there. We'll do it. On the interweb. Yeah, it'll, it's coming out on Halloween, but I'll, we'll be in touch. I'll let you know for sure. Cool. All right, brother. Thanks, get back, Zach. Get back to your sea of mucus and do it well. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll Cheers. talk to you later. Thank you. Have a good one. You as well.